You are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the second part of the series called Living in the Presence of God. Today's message, given on March 11th, 2018, is titled Light Shines. Well, when I was thinking about doing the baby dedication this morning, I've kind of thought back to when I was a little kid, you know, a little older than Tyler is, but um, like many kids, what is one of the fear that kids are always afraid of? What are they afraid of? The dark, right? That's, that is such a common thing. I mean, I always remember when I was in bed as a kid, I always would be concerned about taking my foot and sticking it too far off the edge of the bed because I didn't know what was under the bed in the dark and might come up like, is there an alligator there that's going to come up and bite my foot off if I stick it out? And now, of course, that is kind of an unfounded fear, but it is fun. You know, those of us who are parents, we probably have stories about our kids and, uh, you know, the fears that they had. And, you know, I think it's a legitimate thing because in the dark, it is hard to see. It is hard to navigate. It is hard to get a perspective sometimes. And, you know, Jesus gave us one of his most well-known messages, and he used light as a powerful example for us. He taught his followers how to live in the power and in the presence of God in the everyday world. And in this message, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, he started by proclaiming blessings for everyone who would follow him. And then he used two powerful metaphors to show the influences that his followers have on those around them. So would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read four verses. We read these last week, and we're going to continue to drill into them this week. Okay, Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. Jesus says this, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God bless this reading of his word. Last week we talked about the salt part of this, these verses. And we essentially said that you have more influence than you think. You have more influence than you think you have. And salt influenced things around it. Salt, we said, was used as a preservative, and it was very valuable back in the day because they did not have refrigeration, and food would spoil, fresh meat would spoil unless it was rubbed and salt was rubbed into it, and then that acted as a preservative. And so salt, we even said that Roman soldiers were paid in a salt allowance, and that's actually where we get the word salary from. And we also said that salt is a seasoning. Salt takes food that is bland and it puts a wonderful flavor into it. And so salt had a lot of 
things that it was beneficial to people for. Well, today we are going to look at the light part. We are going to look at what it means to be light and shine. So let's have a look at these verses. First of all, Jesus says in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, we call this, this is from a message that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up onto a high place. And if you know anything, if you've seen pictures of the Middle East, you'll know it was a very mountainous area there. And there were villages and cities and towns that were set up on a hill. And so you could see them. You cannot ignore a city that's set on a hill. You know, it's not like a couple of houses in the countryside that they're nice and everything, but that you see a city and it is known, it has influence. In fact, today, nowadays, we have cities with great electric lights. And of course, if you come near a city, what do you see, first of all, when you're coming near a city? The glow, right? You, you know you're getting close to Manhattan when you're driving up the Jersey Turnpike when you start to see that glow come. Or if you're coming in the LIE and you're heading towards, you know, heading towards Manhattan, you see the glow. And so you realize that there is something going on there. There is influence, okay? And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he goes on to say, he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it on a basket and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. I mean, wouldn't that just be silly? I'm going to light a lamp, okay? And lamps then were not electric. They were fire. And I'm going to light a lamp, and then I'm going to put a basket over it. That is not a prescription for a good day. That is a prescription for a possible disaster there. And yet, he's using an example that people don't do that. If someone is going to have light be effective. It has to be put in a place where it can project and it can illuminate and it can be useful to other people. Okay, and in fact it says, and it gives light to all the house. And then finally he says, in the same way, so the same way means take your light, because he says you are the light of the world, in the same way take your light and let it shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay? This is another form of influence. Just like salt is a preservative and salt is a seasoning, light gives direction. Light allows things to be revealed as they really are. Okay? You're never supposed to buy a used car at night. Besides, some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, I did that. Didn't work out too well, you know? Because when you see it in the daylight, you're like, oh my, what did I just buy? Okay? You want to do things of importance when you can see everything around. And it's the same way that Jesus uses his light through us to help reveal truth, and reality to people around us, okay? Now, I want you to turn, keep your finger here, but I want you to turn to John chapter 8, because there's another example of light of the world, and this is a little different than what Jesus said here. In John eight twelve, Jesus said this, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me 
will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So wait, wait, wait a minute. We just read in Matthew 5 where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But then in another part, in another gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Which one is it? Is it Jesus? Is it us? It's both. Okay, but it's different. Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, we are lights of the world. And let me explain it this way. This is something I heard many years ago when I used to work with the college students. And I just love this. You may have heard me say it, but this is just such a powerful analogy that I want to share it again. Uh, I heard it years ago uh, by a guy by the name of Louis Giglio. And he gave a talk. And he essentially said, in the sky, there are two lights, great lights near us that we can see. There's the sun and there's the moon. Okay, the sun gives light by day. The moon gives light by night. But does the moon have any light in itself? No, not at all. The moon reflects the light of the sun and aims it into the night so that we have light. Now, we don't, you know, the moon, as you know, there are cycles, phases of the moon, and so we don't get, you know, the full effect of the moon all the time. Sometimes it's a cloudy night and we don't get anything. But in general, the way it works is the sun is the source, the moon is the reflector, and then it comes back to us. Now, the sun is full of energy. The other day, I have to say, it was wonderful. It was one of those cold, windy days, but I happened to be outside and I got behind a building where it blocked the wind and the sun was beaming there and I didn't have the wind on me and I felt the warmth of the sun and it felt great. Some of you, how many are ready for the warmth of the sun? You know, it's like had enough winter. Oh, two hands go up. I love that, Carol. That's awesome. Okay, so... You know, we get the energy and the light from the sun. And in fact, if the sun did not exist, we just would all, we couldn't live here. It would be impossible to live on Earth without that. Now, the moon makes things convenient because, you know, hey, it is nice on those nice warm evenings where you go out and the moon is, looks all full and it's shining, a nice moonlit night, right? You know, you want to take a walk, maybe, you know, go with your honey somewhere. I don't know, you know? <laughs> And uh, it, it's nice, but that's not the primary source. And the moon, in fact, Louis said, it's just a big old ball of dirt. That's, that's what it is, a big old ball of dust. There's no light in and of itself. It only reflects what it has, what shine on it. And um, he made the analogy. He goes, you know, Bible talks about us. We were made... Uh, from dust, and in a sense, we're like the moon. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the sun. He is the source. And yet, when we are strategically positioned in the sky, the light of the sun can bounce off us and reflect into the darkness and can give light in the darkness. And when I heard that, that sort of made sense to me. And I thought about it in that, yes, this is how it is with these two passages. When Jesus says he's the light of the world, he is the sun, he's the source. And when he says you are the light of the world, 
We are the ones who are to reflect him into the places in which we are strategically placed. Okay? And so know this. We shine brightest when we reflect the sun. We shine brightest when we reflect the sun. Okay? Any of you ever gotten sunburn? Yeah, not fun, right? Yeah, not fun. But let me ask you this. Any of you ever gotten moonburn? No? Okay, yeah, I haven't. Okay, so because the sun is the one who's, you know, affecting the skin, but the moon, it's just reflected there. Or any of you ever hear of sunstroke? Right? You get too much sun exposure. It can cause uh, problems with your body. Okay, how, how about moonstroke? Anyone ever get moonstroke? No, okay, all right. Okay, well, you know, listen. Now, I, I, I read something really interesting. Uh, there is a t- part in northern Norway that is built in the mountainous area. And, of course, you know, in the higher latitudes that you get to, in the wintertime, you have less sunlight because, you know, the sun, you know, just almost never rises some things. And in this case, you know, the sun, they do get the sun, but they're deep in a valley by these mountains. And for a few months during the year, they never have any natural light in this town. And they noticed that people were getting depressed. And they noticed that people were just, you know, really, you know, seasonal affective disorder. I think it's real sad. You've heard of that. So the the town, a hundred some odd years ago, decided, well, what could we do about this? And someone came up with the idea. They said, why don't we take some mirrors and let's position some mirrors on the top of the mountain so that the sun can shine off the mirror and then reflect the sunlight down into the valley of the town. And they said, this was about 1903 or 1913, they said, nah, that'll never work. Let's put a gondola up so at least we can get the people up to the top of the mountain so they can see the sun when they need it. And that's what they did for a bunch of years. But just within the last five years or so, they actually went ahead and they built these mirrors up on the mountain. Because now they have, you know, they understand how the sun and everything works. There's computers that can control it. There's no electricity up there. But there's good solar technology to power this stuff. So, you know, you can Google it. You can actually look at, you know, Norway mirrors on mountains and you'll see what it looks like. But these things will actually, these mirrors will turn as the sun moves so that it is always reflecting some of the light from the sun down into the village in the dark valley below. And I was listening. There was a uh, commentary from the guy who was the project engineer for this project. And he says... Yeah, so it, it's good for people to be able to see the sun in the winter like that. He says, you know, yeah, they, they can still take the gondola up if they want to go, you know, see it from afar, but it's much better if the light comes into the village. I thought, isn't that perfect? That is so perfect because so often we feel like, oh, I have to go to church to get recharged. I have to go here. I have to do this. no. Jesus wants us, like those mirrors, to reflect him into our everyday life. And the key is, we need to be turned and controlled so that as Jesus is, and things are adjusting, we will be aimed properly to accomplish his purposes. So I really like that. Now, let's, let's um, go back to Matthew 5. 
and I want to look at a verse which talks about a problem there. Okay, verse 15. It says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. You see, that does not work. Now, I want to ask you, how might you put your light under a basket? Because I think there are things that we do that effectively put the light of Christ under a basket. One of the biggest ones, I think, is fear. I think people are afraid. They are afraid of what will other people think. They are afraid of what will this person at school say about me? What will this coworker do? Is there a chance of retribution? Is there something that is going to be a problem here? I think fear is one of the ways that we put the light of Jesus under a basket. Okay? And then there's another one, too, that I think. And that is just like those mirrors need to turn. Well, if we do not follow after Jesus, if we are following our own ways, then we are not going to be getting the light into the right place, and we are essentially putting his light under a basket. Remember we read John 8:12 where he says whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but he will have the light of life. It is so important that we are following Jesus in our everyday experience and life if we want to be the one to have influence on those around and get the light in. Okay? Turn to John chapter 3. This is a very, very familiar passage, but it also talks about light and darkness. Perhaps everyone has heard John 3.16, the first verse here, but I would like to keep going and reading beyond that. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And here's where he talks about light, verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Do you see that? That's like what I said about don't buy a used car at night because somebody is could be trying to hide something. If we are trying to hide something, we are going to not want to come to the light for fear of being exposed. But if we do what is true, it's okay to come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. 
That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to you. Is that what it says? No, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's like the moon. It's like, well, the moon is cool, but the sun is so much better because that's the source. And so we can come to faith in Christ. We can be forgiven for every sin we have ever committed. And then that allows us to live a life that reflects God's light into the dark places that other people are in. And they hopefully will come to know Jesus as well too. We shine brightest when we reflect the sun. I got to ask you this. Is your life reflecting the sun? Is it reflecting God's glory the way the moon reflects the sun? You can only do that once you've started to trust in Jesus. You know, this morning, uh, promises were made that Tyler would be led in the path that would bring him to the knowledge of his own faith one day in the Son of God, okay? And that is a question I have for each one of you today. I do not know where everyone is on the spiritual map of life, but my question is, have you been born of God by trusting in Jesus? Have you come to a point in your life where you have said, I need to be forgiven. If not, the thing to do is to change your mind, to change your heart, and to change who you're trusting in. You need to be forgiven, and you can do this today. I like to give people four simple words so that they can understand what it means to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And these four words will help you understand as well. The first word is God. God created us. God loves us. God is holy. God never sinned, and God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. The first word is God. We are accountable to a holy God. The second word is us. We have a problem, and the problem is we have sinned. We have fallen short of God's ideal. We have both by commission and omission, we have done things that have offended a holy God. And we have a problem. We cannot make remedy for that on our own. Even though many people try lots of things to repair this broken relationship on their own, there is nothing that we can do because the offense is so great on our part and God is so holy, there is this gap between us. And no matter what we try to do, we cannot fill that gap in relationship on our own. The third word is Jesus. God realized that we cannot fix this problem so he sent his son, Jesus, to bridge that gap. 
Jesus lived a perfect life, never once committed any sin. He died a horrific death on a Roman cross of crucifixion. He died, he was buried, but then he rose again from the dead because his sacrifice for yours and my sins was sufficient and in fact the only way that we could be brought back into a relationship with holy God. So the first word is God, the second word is us, the third word is Jesus, the fourth word is response. We need to respond to what Jesus has done. We need to put our trust in Jesus to repair that relationship. And yet to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that's what we're talking about here. That is the gospel message in a nutshell. And if any of you have not yet responded to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to do that so that you can leave today knowing that your sins have been forgiven and that you are walking in newness of light and then you can shine his light into the dark places that perhaps only you have access to. Is something blocking God's light from reflecting off of and shining through you? Is there something? Well, if there is, I would ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Or maybe do you just need to be strategically repositioned like those mirrors in order to reflect the sun into a dark valley? Maybe you need to get your motor control circuits fixed, right, Peter? Right? We've got to get that sensors going and get aimed the right way. Peter's a mechanical engineer. That's why he, he, he can figure out how to do those sorts of things. Okay, well, today we made a promise to show Tyler by words and example that God is truly Lord in this place. And you know what, congregation? We get to reflect the light of Jesus into this precious boy's life. That is awesome. And parents, you get to do that. Friends, family, you get to do that. And we shine brightest when we reflect the sun. I want to close by asking you to do this. I want you to ask the Lord to aim you. Ask him to aim you. I think there are some people that mean well, but I don't think you're properly aimed. I think you might be trying to reflect his light in your own power. You know, it's sort of like, I'm the moon, I'm going to shine brighter. Nope. You just need to be there, and you need to be positioned to shine the light. Or maybe those mirrors have to be turned. Perhaps there's something in your life. Maybe it's even a good thing. 
but maybe you've made it too much of a thing and it's gotten you off focus. Or maybe today you said, you know, Pastor Bob, I never heard those four words of the gospel and I'm not sure I've responded. Well, if that's you, that's your next step. You need to respond and to trust in Jesus. So whatever it takes, that's how we can be aimed. So I want you to ask the Lord to re-aim you this week and see what he does. You see, we live in the presence of God. We are salt and light, and we can influence a world that desperately needs Jesus.